Anonymity is your name. Silence your native tongue. You are no longer part of the system. You are above the system, over it, beyond it. We're them, we're they. We are the men in black. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to Does It Hold Up Podcast, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies of all time to decide if they hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're going over 1997's Men in Black. Here come the men in black, galaxy defenders. Okay, I had to get that out of my system. It was going to bug me the whole show (laughs) if I did not sing that line at some point. So we just got out of the way early. It works. All right, this movie. Yeah. When's the first time you saw this movie? I have no idea. Probably in 1997. No way. You were like four. That's fair. So sometime in the like 2000s. Before or after you saw the sequels? Before. Okay. I think I did see this movie in 97. Maybe 98 though. Because I didn't go to the movies a lot when I was young. Mm Because we didn't have the money to go to the movies a lot. So we always caught them on VHS at home. Yeah. So I think I watched this one on VHS for the first time. So back probably when, 98. Back when you could go to Blockbuster. Yeah. We didn't go to Blockbuster, though. We went to, I don't remember, some little mom and pop shop. Uh, we always went to Blockbuster. Too expensive. I'm not paying $4 to rent a movie. Yeah, that's where that's where we knew to go. Yeah, but there was always other good ones. But yeah, so I watched this movie and I was like, this is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I was like, aliens are cool. Especially because I saw this, because the year before was Independence Day which we've already covered back two months ago. Mm -hmm. And that movie came out the year before this movie. And it was like, oh man, Will Smith and Aliens again? I'm all in. And it was really good. But I got to tell you one thing. Hmm. Even back then, when I was just a young idiot, compared to me being an old idiot now, (laughs) even then I knew the real star of the movie, Tommy Lee Jones. Well, yeah. He's... So much better in this movie than I remember him being in this movie. I was half expecting you to say the real star in both of those movies was Aliens, but, you know. Tony Shalhoub popping in for a fantastic cameo as Jeebs, a freaking pawn shop guy Mm -hmm. who sells galactic weapons. Whose head grows back. Oh my, is that one of the best cameos of all time in a movie? I doubt it. Technically a cameo if he wasn't really that widely known when he did it. It's then like no. going back and seeing it, you're like, holy shit, that's Tony Shalhoub. That's Monk. Yeah. But then in 97, he wasn't Monk yet. So doesn't really count? No, not really. Damn, all right. It was just a role for him. Yeah, good role. Oh, he yeah. came back for the sequel too. Yes, he did. He's like one of the few side characters other than Frank the Pug. Yeah, came the back worms. for the sequels. Yeah, because yeah. he was just so good. You were like, you have to have him. Yeah, if you can get Tony Shalhoub, you get Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, we need Tony Shalhoub in more things, yes. right? Like, just put him in all the things. Sure. Is he kind of on the, the Stanley Tucci level, do you think? Where do you, where do you rank Shalhoub on the Tucci level? Is he a nobody all the way to Stanley Tucci? He's below Stanley Tucci. But, like, how far? If Stanley Tucci's a 10 on the Tucci meter, and I, a I zero's a nobody, where does Shalhoub, Shalhoub fall? might be a six or a seven. Ooh, he's pretty... Pretty high. He's pretty high. Like, you want to see him in things, you just haven't seen him in things. But Whereas 
Tooch has been in like everything and you always forget it's him. I don't necessarily forget that it's Tony Shalhoub. Well, I mean, you do though. I forget that he's in the movie, but when I'm watching it, I don't, I realize it's Tony Shalhoub. That's why I never remember Stanley Tucci in movies because Stanley Tucci becomes the character Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, you remember that character in uh, whatever movie? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, that's Stanley Tucci. I'm like, no, no, no. That was Bob Builder from the movie. What are you talking about? That guy's real. (laughs) (laughs) I love Stanley Tucci. I think we might, uh, that might be a new segment here on the pod. The Stanley Tucci meter, the Tucci meter. The Tucci. Yeah. Where do we put some of these actors on the Tucci meter? I mean, we're definitely part of the Tucci gang. Oh, 100%. So Men in Black. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Is it great though? We'll find out. Is it a great alien movie? I think so. I think it turns the idea of the alien movie on its head. Okay. Not all aliens are evil. They're not all here to destroy the world. It just makes them really like a regular person. Okay. A regular entity in our world. And that was an interesting concept and still is. How many alien movies have you watched? Rough estimate. Uh, Like Like four? No, I'd say more like 10. Do you like alien movies? Uh, it depends because I've been a person to shy away from like gore and horror for the longest time in my life. So I avoided a whole bunch of them. Like I've never watched any of the alien franchise. That's not surprising at all. Because I thought it was going to be too violent and too scary. So I was oh no, like, it's no. like psychologically terrifying. <laughs> it's not that gory. I'm interested to watch it now being an adult, but before that, most alien movies are dedicated to the alien is evil. They're com- coming to kill all humans. That's it. All right. Where does this movie rank in your top alien movies? Would it make your top five alien movies you've ever watched? I think so. Okay. But not because it's a good movie, but because the aliens. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I don't know where I'd rank it. The aliens were all created by Rick Baker. He won an Oscar for this movie. For I don't best doubt. makeup. I don't doubt. Yeah. Here's, I- here's who he beat out, though. Hmm. Mrs. Brown which is a movie you've never heard of. Nope. And you will probably never hear of again. Probably not. And Titanic. Uh, How did Titanic get nominated for Best Makeup? Because Titanic got nominated for like everything. Yeah, but Best Makeup? What makeup was there? Uh, Besides just, oh, I'm so pretty. It, it's the is it floating corpses because of the, the floating water. corpses? <laughs> yeah. That, that's the 100% reason why they got nominated, most likely. Most likely. They stupid. did a fantastic job on that, though. Yeah, but stupid. It, it's one scene. You can't give best makeup for one scene. This movie is should have won this Oscar. And it did. Yes. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Because those nominees are terrible. Yeah. There it, just apparently wasn't a lot of movies with makeup in it that year. Yeah. Because there's only three. Yeah. Well, they didn't used to do like 10 nominees per category. They kept it real small back in the day, which made the show a lot easier to watch. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Just crazy. But this movie was also nominated for two more Oscars. Art Direction. Okay. Uh, it lost to Titanic. Okay, yeah. I mean, you made a giant ship. You made the Titanic again. Yeah. Y- you win. Sorry, you just do. Yeah. And music. Original musical or comedy score? Ah, comedy score. Yeah, the Academy Awards used to actually care about comedies. They don't anymore. Wow. But they used to. They used to actually, like, n- comedies could get nominated for things. That's Now they of. don't at all. But it lost that one to The Full Monty. Do you know that movie? No. It's about a bunch of regular working class dudes who lose their jobs and decide to start a strip show. <laughs> and like the whole joke of it is like some of these dudes are like extremely overweight and they're going to be strippers and they're terrible at it. 
Alrighty then. It was a huge movie when it came out. I, I never figured out why. Sure, yeah. That's actually really interesting because one of my first notes about this movie was how great the music is. Ah, is it really? Yeah. That opening mon- like little scene of following the bug. Yeah. I hate it because it takes so long. <laughs> but that music, though, you're that getting music in great. on that whole idea of the movie. I think this movie's score, I think the reason it didn't win is because it peaks really, really high, but it also plummets really, really low. Also, Danny Elfman was the guy who made the score. Yes. That makes you can definitely hear it in his, oh, yeah. in the score. Uh, so Barry Sonnenfeld directed this. You don't know the name, but you know his movies. Because I know you just watched them earlier this year, I think, for the first time. The Addams Family and Addams Family Values. I watched the first one. I didn't watch the second one. Oh, you didn't watch the second one? No. Okay. He directed both of those. He also did Get Shorty, then Men in Black, then Wild Wild West, Men in Black 2, RV, and then he did Men in Black 3, and he hasn't done another movie since. So. Interesting. That is almost his entire filmography, besides like TV shows and crap like that. So this movie is clearly his peak as a director, right? Yeah, definitely. How did he not have a better career? Was it because Wild Wild West is such a god-awful directed movie that it just ruined him? Because I'm pretty sure that's the reason. He had a few just misses right in a row and probably just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, Wild Wild West followed by Men in Black 2. That's your two back-to-back big releases. Get the f*** out of here. Those movies are awful. <laughs> they're they're garbage movies. And yet I like Men in Black 2. <laughs> yeah, you're the only person. Literally, it's like six or it's like four rating is just you. Yeah. You rated it as yep. like a 10 and everybody else was like, it's yep. a one. I'm, I'm that person. Men in Black, though, is a pretty movie. Yeah. Like, it's gorgeous to look at. Oh, yeah. There's so much going on visually in any given moment that you just are drawn into it. Which makes a lot of sense, because Barry Sonnenfeld wasn't always a director. He used to be a DP. Okay. Director of photography. And he did movies like Raising Arizona, Misery, and Big. Oh. Which I know we covered Big, and we didn't think it held up, and we didn't think the movie was all that good but it was a good looking movie yeah some of the shots and stuff were amazing i haven't watched misery but i have seen clips from it and it is beautiful oh it's gorgeous so it makes a lot of sense yeah and i just thought that was interesting i was like you can definitely see a lot of his dp work in this movie yeah you can also see a lot of adam's family in this movie so much totally the the color grading everything it's all right there Mm -hmm. taking the absurd and making it every day correct Speaking of the writing, let's talk about Ed Solomon, who's the writer of this movie. Normally, we don't talk writers, but this dude's list of filmography as a writer is insane. And then there's just a really funny story about him that I wanted to bring up. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about him. He wrote Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Bogus Journey, and the legacy sequel, Face the Music. Okay. All three fantastically written movies. Yeah. He wrote the Super Mario Brothers movie from the early 90s. (laughs) it's a guilty pleasure movie of mine i know it's not good i love it anyway yeah he wrote this he wrote charlie's angels imagine that you ever seen that one with eddie murphy it sounds familiar he he has to go into like the fantasy world of his daughters because that's going to help him in his business life i don't think i watched it i think i heard about it i feel like you would really like that one probably it's eddie murphy yeah you should watch it and then he wrote now you see me one and two okay 
That's a good list of movies. And that's not even all of them. That was just the ones I figured you would know. And that's almost quite a span, too, because not all of them are exactly the same. You, you see a little bit of the common thread there, but... They yeah. have good div- uh, good variation. Also, decades worth of work. Because Bill yeah. and Ted's was the 80s. And then Now You See Me 2 was like 2013 or 2015 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, Dude Span did 30 years working as a writer. That's insane. Here's the fun story. So, years ago, he tweeted out or X'd out or whatever we're supposed to be calling it now. Well, it was Twitter then. Yeah, so, so he tweeted, he tweeted out. it out. Quote, at the cafe where I'm writing... The people next to me were disagreeing about the origins of Men in Black. And I said, if you'd like, I could clear that up for you. And one responded, I'm sorry, we don't need an old white male's mansplation. So I apologized, and that was that. (laughs) This is the man who wrote the movie. You guys are arguing about the movie. He offers to answer your questions. And you go, nah, we good, old man. Chill. Realize that not everyone is just trying to mansplain things. Just so funny. And I get it. People don't really recognize writers. Yeah. But what a story. That's so funny. And then he like started tweeting a whole bunch more stuff too. Then after he tweeted this out, the girl who yelled at him saw the tweet and DM'd him to apologize for it, not recognizing <laughs> who he was, but then had the audacity to still ask him, well, which one of us was right in the argument? <laughs> you yelled at this man and then you asked him when you found out who he was and that he was famous you then turned it all around and we're like i'm so sorry answer my question now, screw you now really interested which one was right though <laughs> she was the she, one that yelled at him was the one that was right he said it in the tweet he, he was gonna basically say hey yeah you're right but not you yelled at me so yeah so uh no i'm out see ya bye that's ridiculous i like i said i know writers aren't like the most prominently known people that's hilarious. Yeah. I, it cracks me up. So that's the reason I wanted to bring up the writer, because I was like, that's hilarious. Let's just talk about it. <laughs> so box office. Budget, $90 million. It's a big budget. Domestically, though, it took in $250.7 million. That is massive. Just domestically, it took in three times its budget. Yeah. Internationally, it took in another $337.1 million for a worldwide total of $587.8 million. Impressive. Yeah, that is uh, six times your budget. A good chunk of change. That's incredible. In 1997, it was ranked the number one movie. I mean, come on, it made $251 million. Of course it was number one. Yeah. It beat out a movie you love by $39 million. Do you know a movie? No. What movie do you love that came out in 1997? I don't know. Really? Come on. I am not like you. I'm not a savant for the years, albeit one year always (laughs) off. It beat out The Lost World, Jurassic Park. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I could see it. Adjusted for inflation, it would have been about $575 million in 2022. Like third place. Correct. Third place behind Top Gun and Avatar. Yeah. Hit me with that critic stuff because I got some stuff to say about it as well. Well, the cinema score was a B plus. Wow. Oh, yeah. That seems really low. For how much it made? Not even just for how much it made. Just what, what were you all expecting? The, the trailers for this were like, it's a comedy about aliens. Yeah. It was a little more serious and scary than people were expecting, I'm sure. Ooh, maybe. Maybe they, they were expecting, expecting like, a kid's film and they got aliens trying to murder people. And, and actually, actually murdering, murdering people. people. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's... Oh, I snapped the dude in half. 
Oh, that's a great image for my child to see. Oops. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Roger gave it a three star. And the quote I grabbed from him, a lot of big budget special effects films are a hair this side of self-parody and don't know it. Men in Black knows it and glories in it. It's a refreshing Bronx cheer aimed at movies that think 100 million budgets equal solemnity. This is not a film about superheroes, but the adventures of a couple of hardworking functionaries whose assignment it is to keep tabs on the sizable alien population of the United States. I love that it's like, it knows it's funny. Yeah. It's a big budget, but it knows it's funny, and it's A-OK with that. Uh, hit me with that Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomato critics have it at a 91%, and the audience have it at an 80%. Or 80%. Okay, 91, 80, that's close. Yeah. Now that is the percentage of people who gave it a positive rating. So the actual score out of 10 is the critics have it at a 7.5 out of 10 and the audience have it at a 7.8 out of 10. Wow. So critics went way down. Yeah. 91 to 7.5 is crazy. Mm-hmm. Audience right about the same. Yeah. But there, you can see those numbers make it a lot closer. So audiences and critics actually really liked it exactly the same. Mm-hmm. But audiences were more middling on it in their reviews rather than positive. Yeah, there was, a, there was more people who would give it a negative score. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. Okay. That's fair. Let's go back to Roger Ebert. Yeah. Because I found something interesting about this man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I find that man interesting just in general, but I found something entirely interesting about this. So he gave this one three stars. Men in Black 2, he gave one and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Because it's a big pile of trash. We all know it is. Shut your mouth. Okay. Except for you. We all know it's a pile (laughs) of trash. But Men in Black 3, which I know a lot of people do not like. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of. I think it deserves a revisit. Probably. But he gave Men in Black 3 three stars. So the same rating as this one. And I had to grab this. Because this is his opening line to the review for Men in Black 3. Men in Black 3 comes 15 years after the entertaining original and 10 years after the sequel that laid an egg. And the surprise is, it's better than the first one. Ooh. Hmm. Debate it. We would have words. Debate it. Go for it. What? I honestly don't think it has the magic of the first one. Well, no, the the sequels never have that magic because we've already seen it. Yeah. You can't look at it like that. I mean, the Harry Potter movies, are they any... Is the first one the best there? For me, yeah. Oh, get the f*** out of here. It is the best adaptation from the book. It's Goblet of Fire by a mile. No, that one's too dark. It do- It's the best one. It's the best story, the best acted. Like, get the f- <sighs> Get out of here with you. Anyway, <sighs> continue. Argue Roger Ebert. Why is Men in Black 3 not better than the first one? I don't know. It just seemed very convoluted. The whole going to the past to save future people i don't know it's just it it felt a little too convoluted for me where this one was very straightforward is it though is this one straightforward because this one's a little wonky and stupid he's learning how to be an agent when disaster crisis happens and he has to stop it straightforward i don't know if i agree with roger ebert Mm -hmm. but i don't think i'm far off from ebert either okay the three is not nearly as bad as most people remember it being yeah, I think I'll have to rewatch it. Is it better than the first? I don't know. No. I think it's on maybe level playing field. No. It's, shut up. <laughs> so you can't tell me no. I can definitely tell you no. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, I had to pull that, though, because I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, I feel like he needed to rewatch one. <laughs> I feel like you before. need to rewatch three. Yeah. It's not bad. Fair. It's good. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Let's get into the movie. Yes. Okay, so let's just start. So we're going to get to that in just a second, because I got a lot to say about that moment. Uh-huh. Uh, the opening scene, I think, is great. Following the bug, and then Agent K and his partner showing up to be like, these immigrants and pointing one guy out and he's an alien. Yeah. Great reveal. Yeah. Of aliens. It is the, (laughs) you're looking at, uh, illegal aliens, quote unquote, with the people coming into the United States. And then it turns out one is actually an illegal alien, alien from (laughs) outer space. Yeah. And they just, they also know him. They have like a rapport with this dude and it's, it's setting up the idea of the men in black. They're mysterious, but they're in control at all times, and they just are cool with whatever is about to happen. (laughs) Yeah, I think you're, like, setting it up so how cool they are and how in control they are, because Tommy Lee Jones in this scene is just the definition of calm and collected. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, the shit they see, and yeah, he's just cool with it all. One of my favorite aspects of this movie overall with his performance specifically, is he's always like, dude, come on. What what are you doing? Like, you're not you know you're not supposed to be doing this. Why are you doing this? Let's uh let's wrap this up. <laughs> like I love it. It cracks me up. I would watch like a TV series of just him doing his adventures of being oh, on yeah. the job. So yeah, I would watch it. Yeah. I hundred percent would watch that. And we're also introduced to the magic that is the alien races in this scene. I absolutely love when they're talking with the alien guy and the uh, patrol officer comes up and the alien just flicks one of its eyes back to the back of its head and looks back. And it's like, that is so cool. You really thought about this alien's anatomy Mm -hmm. and his ability to move because, oh, and when he goes to attack, it just... He felt very alien. Yeah. A lot of aliens before that still had a humanistic quality because mm-hmm. it was things that we needed to understand. Even the director, Barry Sonnefeld, in the DVD commentary talks about it, where he's like, listen, I didn't want the aliens to look like they'd always looked. I was like, we don't know what aliens look like. Why do they need a mouth? Why do they need eyes? So Rick Baker went and made a bunch of aliens And he was like, these all look really good, but without eyes, how can we tell where they're looking? (laughs) So it took him three months to get where everybody else had been the entire time. And I think that's a great anecdote because a lot of these aliens don't look like what you'd expect an alien to look like, what we've seen. Because other aliens in other movies have this very, I get you're an alien, but like, clearly there's your eyes. You move like a human. You're Mm -hmm. anthropomorphic in a little ways. I can connect to you in some way. Yeah. But then this movie was like, this giant just slug over here, alien. Mm-hmm. This blob of goo, alien. This that... little thing crawling on the ground, alien. That pug, alien. Yeah. So I think it's just such a great job. Oh, such yeah. a great job. But yeah, so it's just a really good opening. Just and, a really good opening. And you get that whole aspect of, this is a really kind of calm and they're treating this alien all super cool. And then he goes on the attack. And it's scary. Yeah. So it shows you so much right in this opening scene. Again, like you said, it's this movie shows that aliens don't have to be an aggressor. But this so this movie starts by showing you both sides. 
the alien's cool, calm, everything's good until the other guy shows up and he loses it yeah. and attacks him. Mm-hmm. But before that, it's just kind of a conversation. And you're like, that's awesome. It wasn't like he was an alien. They immediately needed to start firing their blasters. Yeah. It was like, no, 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 we're chill. We're chill. Everybody's good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Oh, yeah. good. Then we immediately jump to Will Smith's character, who will become Agent J, as he's chasing down a cephal- cephalopod throughout all of New York. Mm-hmm. What do we think of this? Is it a good chase scene? It It's very interesting. It's a good chase scene. It does create a nit for me in a bit. It just but hit me with it. What do you got? He does not go on foot for this entire thing. He's lauded as he chased, chased down this guy on foot. No. He uses a bus. He uses a newspaper van. Like, come on. It's not like he got in a car and drove there. Yeah. You know, I know he jumped on a van, but still had to run half the way. <laughs> I think it's a good chase scene. I also have a huge nit in this chase scene, and it's mm-hmm. when Will Smith jumps off the bridge onto the bus. Yeah. And everybody's shocked. And it's a really good moment of like them all being shocked and his ingenuity to use the bus to get down to go chase the guy. Absolutely despise the line of it just be raining black people in New York. Yeah, it seems like a throwaway line. Like, it's an improv like, line that yeah. didn't need to exist. Yeah. I I don't like it. We're supposed to give you his sense of humor. <sighs> Wrong time. Fair enough. It's going to be a big problem I have with this movie. A lot of what Agent J does throughout the movie comes at the wrong time. His humor always comes out when it's least wanted. That is fair. And this was just a big moment. I was like, man, we're in the middle of this really cool chase scene. Why did you just say that? (laughs) Then we get the bug, Mm -hmm. who's going to be the big bad of the movie, crash lands in a farm. Destroying yeah. a man's truck. How dare you, sir? We don't he destroy. It. He no. He deserved it. How did he deserve it? He was an a hole. Was he? Yeah. We only got a small, tiny little glimpse of this man. I don't know. Maybe After... he was having a bad day, like those women in the coffee shop that yelled at Ed Solomon. Mm. Maybe he was just having a bad day. Maybe. You don't know. But the way he talked to his wife made it seem like that was a constant thing. Edgar doesn't shoot him. And it always bothers me. Yeah. So the truck gets destroyed. He runs out there to check what's going on. He's got his shotgun with him. We hear the bug talk to him like, nah, I'm going to kill you or whatever he says. He's Who like, cares? put down your projectile weapon. Yeah. Dude, it's a spaceship and a giant bug creature. Shoot it in the face. Yeah, I don't I don't think he saw that what the creature was until it was too late. Are you serious? Later in the movie when we see it? It's the size of, like, a double-decker bus. How did he not see it? Also, it ships way too tiny for it. Yeah. But so you do see that it kind of, like, condenses down, because it gets the size of yeah, the Edgar. actor. Yeah, yeah, Edgar. But just shoot him. I don't care if you can really tell what it is or not. Shoot it. Yeah. It's a, it's an alien yeah. spacecraft who's telling you to put down your projectile weapon. Shoot it. Yeah, that is very fair. This movie doesn't need to happen. Just <laughs> shoot it. I don't know if it would damage it, but you could at least try. You would definitely set this character up to be someone who would shoot first and ask questions later. Oh, so Hell yeah. So, yeah, it's so we got our big bad. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to the police department. Jay is being interviewed because of what just happened, because the guy he was chasing through New York killed himself. Yeah. But proved he was an alien first by doing some weird blinky eye stuff. Yeah. And they were gills. And yeah, Kay walks in. He's like, they're not, they weren't eyelids. They were gills. And he unplugs the camera. Just so funny. Yeah. So funny to me that he just like, just nonchalantly does it. 
man, whatever. Nobody needs to know this. Yeah. And Jay doesn't even like question it. He's just like, uh, okay. Yeah. Clearly you have higher hair clearance than I do. Yeah. And he gets it and he's like, I'm going to recruit you. Show up at this place tomorrow morning. Blah, blah, blah. Well, right? that that's when he goes to the pawn shop. Can you oh, tell right. me they what go to the pawn shop first. He had. I forgot about the pawn shop, even though we talked about Tony Shalhoub already. Forgot about it. Let's talk about it. So, yeah, they go to the pawn shop. He's like, if you saw that weapon again, would you be able to see it? Would you be able to pick it out? He's Uh like, yeah, I can do it. They go to the pawn shop. We get the great Tony Shalhoub. Will. Will. Classic role. And Jay is like, oh, you know, let me handle this. I'm going to be, you know, I'm in my element. I'm going to bust him. Well, because he's busted him before. They have a relationship. Yeah. So he goes in and he's talking to him. And Agent K walks in and just blasts his head off. And Jay freaks out. Pulls his gun on K and is like, I will shoot you. Put your weapon down. Yeah. And then we get tiny little headed Tony Shalhoub growing his head back. You son of a bitch. That stings. Yeah. So good. So So, good. So creepy. But once again, such an interesting idea for an alien race. Because it's like, oh, there's... Something like that on Earth, you know? Certain yeah. lizards, if they lose their tail, it can grow back. It's that idea. Yeah, so good. But apparently he can only grow his head back. Well, there's just certain areas that, that can grow that back. That don't grow back, and I don't want to know what areas. No. I don't think he does either. So he picks out the gun because Jeeps is now an alien, so mm-hmm. he lets them all in. And Will Smith in this scene is just flabbergasted by everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Even though he really shouldn't be, considering what he just went through tracking that guy down. Yeah, I mean, there's having one instance and realizing that it's actually a thing throughout the entire place that you've ever lived. Yeah, I guess it could. Will Smith's really good in this moment, too, because I think he brings enough seriousness to the part, Mm -hmm. but also a little bit of levity. Because when Jeebs gets his head shot off, the way Jay reacts to it of like pointing his gun and being like, dude, you're under arrest. Put your shit down. Don't make me shoot you. It's heavy. It's a heavy moment. But then at the end of the scene, when he's like, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about them Rolexes. It's a cool, it's a fun little line. One thing that I thought of when watching the scene is this is the last time that Jay feels like he's in his element. The last time that he knows what he's doing and he is still secure about his position in the world and the universe, basically. After this moment, we only see with him dealing with learning that the aliens exist and everything like that. So I wonder if this is like a coping mechanism for him to try and put on that kind of humor or a little be all off his game. Yeah. Rather than being as secure as he was in this moment and in the chase scene. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. That That's good. To me, it always just felt like he is a little out of sorts and he balances that with a humor mm-hmm. where he understands the gravity of what's happening but he's also a little scared by it, so he puts that humor into it. Yeah. So I get it. But I'm going to have a big problem with that coming up. I know. <laughs> Huge problem with it. All right, so then he gets to, hey, if you want to know more, come come to this place tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we get to Jay showing up in the morning at this waterworks place, goes inside, is told to go down the elevator, blah, blah, blah. Shows up. There's a bunch of dudes in military gear. It's, you know, the Navy's there, the Army's there, the Marines are there. Everybody's there we to the, take a test. We are the best of the best of the best. Sir! sir. <laughs> With honors. Uh, <laughs> so Zed, who's the leader of the MIB, is telling them all they're going to take a test because they're looking for somebody and they're all the best in their specialities. Mm-hmm. Except for 
Jay. <laughs> Not sure why he's there. And he doesn't either. Well, he's like, you know, we got Army, uh, Navy, uh, New York Police Department. So he get, they, get, they get a written test. And Jay's so smart in this scene. Yeah. So everybody's having a look. They're in like egg-shaped chairs. And they're all trying to take this test with this pencil. And they're poking through the paper. And they're trying to like yoga themselves in these chairs to like find a solid surface. There's a table in the room. And Jay just slides it over to him and is like, I'm going to take my test now. Yeah. Brilliant. Why did nobody else do this? I absolutely love the moment too. He's like, wait, yo, you want to get down on this? Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> but why does nobody else do that? Because it's not within the norm. They're like, okay, if they would have wanted us to have tables, they would have given us tables. Who's that stupid? Yeah. This is a little too extreme for me. A it's, little bit. Yeah. It's really funny and a great moment, but it's a little too extreme to be like, none of these dudes even once thought to like, I won't pull the table to me, but I'll at least go to the table. Mm-hmm. Weird. Yeah. But then we jump from that to a shooting range and they all got to pick up a weapon and they all just start shooting aliens and are like, boom, 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 all these cutouts, all these whatever. And Jay takes one shot mm-hmm. and it's of a little girl right through the head. T- poor Tiffany. Poor little Tiffany. Okay. Just, let's just tell them now. I believe this is also your... Um, psycho, psycho shower, shower scene. scene yes this, this whole in, montage the whole testing yeah. here of from getting the papers yep. to the shooting is the best scene in this movie mm-hmm. by a mile oh yeah okay i will rewatch this again and again and yeah. again we'll remind you all at the end of this pod but that is the best scene in this movie yeah automatical automatical automatic award-winning right there but I love that, like, Zed walks in, he's like, explain yourself. And he does. And he has really good reasoning as to why he does mm-hmm. all of it. And again, it's showing how smart Jay is. So Jay gets recruited. He's in. He proved himself. He's going to be part of the MIB now. But only if he chooses to be. Yeah. He has the choice. He can either be neuralized and pretend none of this happened. Or he can show up for work the next day. Yeah. He shows up for work. Obviously. Because if he didn't, there'd be no movie. <laughs> So he shows up for work and he thinks like, I know everything. I'm a hot shot, blah, blah, blah. Nope. Nice try though. You don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. All your skills mean absolutely dick. Yeah. In the words of Agent K. Yeah, worthless. Then we get a cool montage of them being shown, of him being shown around Men in Black headquarters. And then he gets told that he's going to put on the last suit he'll ever wear. And he's become an agent and they're going to delete him from everything mm-hmm. is he will it will be like he never existed that always seems problematic to me why because what if you had friends or family or whoever that that's why you have to make the choice no i understand that but they all get neuralized and told you never existed oh uh, because we find out in a little while that k had a wife or some or some type of romantic interest. who never shows up in any of the other movies yeah none of them But it's like, somehow he's in a coma to her? It's just weird. Yeah. Just weird. Well, no, he comes out of coma. That's what we find out later. She doesn't know he was in a coma. That whole thing bothers me because that's a huge nit of mine. Mm Because it doesn't make any sense. So at the end of the movie, Kay retires and goes back to his wife, to his life. And the newspapers are like, man comes out of coma, reunites with his wife. She shouldn't know he exists. So unless they neuralized her for that long too now we find out in the second movie that they have de-neuralizers where they can get your memories back so maybe they did that to her Mm, maybe but it's weird and it 
is stupid. Yeah. It's gl- I'm glad that Kay gets a happy ending. It's just the ending doesn't make sense. Yeah. So he suits up, and while this is happening, the bug that landed has taken over the farmer, put mm-hmm. on his skin to wear as a suit. That's a horror movie right there. Mm-hmm. And goes about his business trying to find these other aliens to kill them to get a piece the galaxy. It, it is a galaxy. It is a galaxy on Orion's belt. Yeah. So he kills these two aliens in the middle of a diner, a very well-attended diner. It's busy in there. Mm-hmm. And he, like, shoots his tail out and just, like, stabs them both and kills them and then walks away. Nobody freaks out. One dude tries to stop him. They Applause do. for that dude. Yeah. He just gets tossed. But... Like, I know it's New York, but it, it's a guy with a tail. He probably didn't even notice it. They probably just weren't paying attention. Uh, maybe. One thing that I want to talk about right now is the physical acting of this uh, Vincent guy. D'Onofrio? Vincent D'Onofrio. Stellar actor. He might actually be my MVP of this movie. Could very well be. Because he manages to make his body move in such ways that it feels like a skin suit. He just has this physical, and it's comedic as well, because like you said, this could be a really horrific thing Mm -hmm. that this bug, or we don't know what's a bug, but this creature is using a human skin. Yeah. But he manages to make it almost comedic at times while still being off-putting. And terrifying. And it is just so great. And it hits such that balance that you're intrigued. You want to watch more, but it's like, oh, oh God. You said you think he's the MVP. He is 100% the MVP of this movie. I think this movie works on a different level because of his performance as the bug. Yeah, you get someone lesser in this role and it, it becomes, becomes a, a laughing stock. Yeah. yeah. And then who cares? He's not a threat. He's not mm-hmm. scary. He's not, like you said, he's funny because his movements are funny. But also at the same time, I see that man walking down the street. I'm crossing to the other side. Mm-hmm. I'm running the other way. I'm not dealing with that because yeah. it's terrifyingly creepy at and the I, same time. And I like that a lot of people actually do notice him and like take notice of him being weird. But yeah, you said one of your favorite moments is right after he kills the two aliens in the diner. He's walking out and he's like all hunched over because, you know, he's in not his body. Yeah. And a guy's like tries to like reach out and help him. And he just like throws his hand up at him and is like, no, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, give me a second. All right, I'm back. Right. And then he straightens up a little and, and walks yeah. on. It's great. I'm like, I felt that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely felt that. And it's in the, these moments, too, that I'm really noticing the, the makeup that they did, especially yeah. on him. I think it's stellar because you can see his skin is just kind of decaying. Oh, yeah. As he's wearing it. Like, and it's sagging. A, exactly. It's like it's falling off of him. And you see it throughout the rest of the movie. It gets progressively worse and worse. But this is when you start start to first notice how decaying it's getting. Oh, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Everything about this character is fantastic, top to bottom. The acting, the makeup, the physicality, all of it. It's great. Until it becomes a bug later, but we'll, t- we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's go jump to the morgue. Mm-hmm. So these aliens die. J and K got to go to the morgue and meet Dr. Laurel because... She's the mortician. And it's like, hey, can we see these bodies? Because they know something's weird about it. Mm-hmm. Kay knows they've, they're aliens, or at least suspects anyway. Yeah. Do we like the morgue scene? Uh, yes and no. 
I don't like it because we get a lot of Jay just being kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. and being awkward. But then again, he's being thrust into this world, not having Stop a clue defending it. No. of what he's doing. No, he's awkward and stuff here because he thinks he's a cool player. It's one of those things of, I'm so cool in your own head, but in reality, you're not. It does not play well here. I'm sorry, if someone told me, hey, BS your way through being a doctor so that we can look at these yeah, alien but you're terrible corpses, at improv. We know this. That is true, but I wouldn't be able to tell you that organs were missing out of a body, and that's part of what is awkward about it. What? You wouldn't be able to tell that organs were missing. You wouldn't be there able to reach in into there. a person's chest cavity and be like, oh, stuff's missing. Really? Because there was stuff in there. He, she's like, oh, you feel that? Now move it out of the way. What do you feel? Empty space. No, apparently there was stuff in there. Empty Why else would you have had to space. move stuff? Yes, you already moved that. What are you now feeling? Empty space. Nah, there, there must have been something in there. Will Smith is bad in this moment. I, yeah. It's awkward. It's not funny. True. And it doesn't work with the character. I don't know about with the character. I just, I don't really like this moment. This is the first. Okay. Let's just get into it. Let's okay. just, let's just go. I don't like Will Smith in this movie. Sorry. Wow. I take. don't, I don't like him in this movie because they set him up to be cool and like a badass. He's chasing down aliens. He's rocking this testing. When he goes and puts the suit on, he has that great line of like, you know what the difference between me and you is? I make this look good. You are suave, dude. You are like the epitome of cool. Everybody wants to be you. And then you turn into a fucking Looney Tunes character throughout the rest of the movie. And I don't care how much you want to defend it of like, well, he's thrust into this world. Bullshit. I don't care. Because nothing they deal with until the end where it's a giant massive bug, everything else they're kind of dealing with up to this point is more humanistic stuff. Mm. It's dead bodies. It's, yeah, there's aliens walking around, but like, It's nothing crazy happening. It's just like if you're walking through New York and you saw a thousand different kinds of people. You're trying to participate in the birth of a squid creature. Does that happen before this? I I think that happens after this. I think it's... I didn't write that down because I don't care about that scene. I can't remember if it's before or after. But it's still just weird. He turns into a parody of a character Mm -hmm. and I don't like it. What happened to the guy in Jeeb's pawn shop who can be very serious of like, put your gun down, you're under arrest, but then turn around and deliver a cool little closing line of like, I'm gonna come back and we need to talk about them Rolexes. Where's that guy? Because he doesn't exist in the rest of this movie. And it's not entirely Will Smith's fault because that's the writing. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like Will Smith put that typical Will Smith flair on it. And that's what caused some of it to not work as well. Do you think he went a little above and beyond what he should have because of how stoic... Tommy Lee Jones is in this role? Yes. He wanted to play the foil? Yes. Obviously, he's the funny man. Tommy Lee Jones is the straight man. But sometimes the funny man also needs to reel it in a little bit, and he just never does. Mm. He's always at a 10, and it's like some scenes require a 6 or a Mm 7, and you're just never bringing that. That's fair. You're throwing 105 miles an hour the whole time, and by the end of the first inning, your arm's dislocated and you're out of the game. I just can't. I can't deal with it throughout the whole thing. So not a big, not a big fan. Not, not a big fan. But I felt the same way when we did Independence Day. I think I've realized watching old Will Smith movies, maybe I'm not a fan of Will Smith. He was uh, just Will Smith for the longest time. Right. We, we together watched all of 
Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. That character is the same character he played in Independence Day, mm-hmm. Bad Boys, this. He knows how to do the one thing, which got him a bunch of money. Good for you, man. Mm-hmm. You are a brilliant business mind, but you also pigeonholed yourself yeah. into a certain thing that I'm just not a fan of. It wasn't until like Pursuit of Happiness and Ali many years later where it was like, oh, maybe you can act. Maybe you can. Maybe you should have done some of this earlier in your career and not backed yourself into a corner where we had to watch your entire career fail and then you had to work your way back up again. Yeah. Because let's do it. I wrote a whole thing about Will Smith because I don't understand what he's doing in this movie like we just talked about. It seems like he's screaming every line in this movie, and it feels like he is trying to out-act Tommy Lee Jones, and it doesn't make sense. Mm. I just don't get what he's doing. But this is why it pisses me off the most, too. So after this movie, he makes Wild Wild West. God-awful movie. You ever seen it? No. It's it's bad. It's so bad. I kind of figured. But he, that comes out in 1998. Do you know what comes out in 1999 hmm. that he was offered and didn't take? Hmm. The Matrix. He was going to be Neo in the Matrix. They literally offered him the role and he turned it down so he could make Wild Wild West. Why? Well, because in Wild Wild West, he got to play Will Smith. Yeah. He got to be the same exact character he's been doing for four years now. Five years, six years, ten years, whatever. But in Matrix, he would have had to actually act and do something different. Yeah, I could not see him being Neo. I could, though. That's the thing. Mm. Not at that time. Hmm. But I think it would have worked because he would have had to actually act and do some stuff and not just be the funny guy. But then what really is weird is he makes Pursuit of Happiness. We realize he actually can act. He makes Ali, which is a really good movie and he's really good in it. It's just a bad movie overall because you can't truncate this legend's life into two hours. Yeah. So. Was he in Collateral Beauty? He was, but that was years later. Oh. That was like 2016, 2017, I believe. All right. So way after Ali. But before that, he's offered the role of Django in Tarantino's Django Unchained, which eventually went to Jamie Foxx, which got him a ton of critical acclaim. You already passed on Neo. Now you're passing on Django. These are two movies that drastically altered the course of this man's career. And each time he passed on those, his stock dropped and he had to build himself back up. After he passed on Neo... He makes Wild Wild West, Men in Black 2, Hancock, Hitch. These are all movies that made money, Mm -hmm. but aren't good. Aww. They're not. I love Hitch, and I like Hancock. Trust me, I love Hitch too, but it's not a good movie. And again, he's just playing (laughs) Will Smith in it. Yeah, I can see it. So, completely starts failing. Then he makes these drama movies, and everybody goes, Oh my god, you're a really good actor. We really like you, actually. Passes on Django. And then he goes and makes things like Collateral Beauty, Focus, Concussion. These are all movies that are flops. They all fail. Aww. I, I know. <laughs> you can like them, but critically and commercially, they're failures. Yeah. And he has to build himself back up. Maybe he's not as savvy of a businessman as we think. Nah. He picks terrible scripts because yeah. he only wants to be Will Smith. He yeah. can't act. I'm calling it now. Will Smith can throw out a good acting performance once every 10 years. And that's (laughs) it. He's got one in him and he's done. All right. This was not the one for me. Fair. Just had to go on this tirade about him because everybody remembers him in Independence Day and all this stuff. And he's the biggest star in the world when this movie comes out. Mm -hmm. 
He can do whatever the hell he wants. Is this his peak? Is Probably. Men in Black his peak? I know we had this discussion during Independence Day. It's yeah. either this or Independence Day. I think Independence Day starts it. Yeah. His ascent. This movie capitalizes on it. Yeah. This, I think, is his peak. And he's been chasing the high ever since. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, I'm just... This dude should have a career like Leo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, like Denzel Washington. We should be able to look through his filmography and just be in awe at the performances he's given us. And instead, I look through his filmography and I go, what a waste of a career. Aww. You've made some movies that made money, but nobody's ever going to think you're one of the best actors of all time. Fair. Just, there we go. Okay. Anyway, back to the movie. <laughs> okay, sorry. Thank you for uh, coming, to, your TED coming talk? to my TED Talk about yeah. Will Smith. So, where were we in the movie? Uh, the the morgue. morgue. Yeah. Uh, who cares? It and brings... Laurel? What a waste of a character. Oh, uh, yeah. Didn't need to exist for this movie to continue exactly the same way. I did have that question. Did we need a romantic interest? No. So, skipping past the morgue, they find the little alien inside the guy's head and they find out about Orion's belt. Yeah. The galaxy is on Orion's belt. Mm-hmm. The Archillians show up and are like, give us the galaxy. And they're like, dude, we don't have it. And they're like, yes, you what do. galaxy? And they're like, you can't have a galaxy on Orion's belt because Orion's belt is only made up of stars. Yeah. Three stars. That's it. Yeah. And then they're like, all right, we got to figure it out. They already know they're chasing a bug. They've already dealt with him once or twice when they've seen him. They've tried to stop him and have failed. Mm -hmm. He now has the galaxy and he's going to leave the planet. Because they realize that the galaxy is on Orion's collar. That is a huge nit of mine. Fate of everything. You could have said collar. You've been on Earth. You have a cat. You know it's a collar. But you had to buy the collar at some point. Meaning you knew what it was. Yeah. In fact, if when we're at his place, he has multiple collars for her. Like you own a cat. You know what a collar is. Why'd you call it a belt? Yeah, it was just like, why be cryptic in this moment? Is he the real villain? He wanted Earth destroyed? Ooh. Because then how does the bug figure it out? He, he go, because there's a picture of the cat in the guy's uh, shop. Yeah. In his jewelry shop. And so he sees what it is and he knows what he's looking for. That's so. fair. He does know what he's looking for. Because he figures it out. So he goes to the morgue to get the cat. This mm -hmm. is a separate morgue scene. A second morgue scene. Mm-hmm. He goes and gets the cat, gets the galaxy, MIB shows up, they're like, ah, oh, we're gonna get you, and he's like, you're never gonna get me, I escape, and he takes Laurel, and he leaves, because he's gonna go to some old spaceships that are statues now, in New York, and he's mm -hmm. gonna take one of them to get off. Well, I still they... don't know why he wants the galaxy. To eat it. It creates energy, basically. Sure, but there's gotta be other things, man. You don't just go around eating galaxies, and that's your only source of survival. I don't know. It's apparently a major energy source so to feed his children or something yeah. no that was laurel he was going to take her home to feed his children yeah so he kidnaps her he's going to leave the planet with her the mib shows up shoot his spaceship out of the sky mm -hmm. and fight a giant bug yep and win yeah let's talk about this final battle sure so originally it was going to be more of a talkie where they were just going to like debate stuff and then a little bit of action studio hated it scrapped the whole thing made him rewrite it full action scene i like it I like it better with the action. Yeah. All right. But it sucks for Rick Baker, who created an entire animatronic bug for the talking. Then it just never happened. They just threw it out. They should have still left some talking in there. Yeah. Because I believe you had an issue with the fact that he does not talk. It's a huge nit. Form. Huge nit of mine. When he crash lands, he talks to Edgar about putting down the weapon like we already talked about. And then he never speaks in bug form again. Mm -hmm. Really? At the end, during this battle, when Jay is stepping on your, your brothers and sister cockroaches... 
and hitting you with a rock and all you have nothing to say yeah just you've been talking this whole time you you won't shut the hell up this entire movie Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you don't want to talk yeah get the out of here hate that part hate it i never noticed that until you actually had us watch it again after the fact yeah because i had to point it out and be like listen he's not talking he's just growling and huffing at them I don't even think I realized that he talked at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. until this viewing. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So they fight. Jay, they they have big guns and the bug eats them. And Kay's like, I got to get my gun back. And Jay's like, why? And he's like, I like that gun. (laughs) Such a great line. And he makes the bug eat him. He got lucky that the bug ate him whole and didn't snap him in two to eat him. Yeah. Convenience. Plot convenience. Or he knows that... Those bugs do that? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Would have been nice for us to know. Ah, he doesn't doesn't explain anything that he does in this movie. No, we were going to get there in a minute, trust me. (laughs) So he gets eaten so he can get his gun back. And while he's inside the bug, Jay has to distract him so he can't leave the planet. Mm. So he throws rocks at him. He's going to hit him with, according to him, a two by four. But it's definitely a steel pipe of some kind. Yeah. So, weird that he misremembers something that happened three minutes ago. His life was on the line. He couldn't think straight. Who knows? It's weird. (laughs) so weird. But he distracts him. They fight. He gets hurt. Finds a bunch of cockroaches and begins stepping on them because the bug is a giant cockroach. And Mm -hmm. he's like, I'm mad at you. I'm going to come back and eat you too. How dare you hurt my brethren? They're not your brethren, man. You're an alien. You just happen to look like a cockroach. You're not actually a cockroach. Ah, uh, they come off of him the entire movie. Yeah, I guess. So wait, so. are cockroaches then aliens? That could be. That just came here many, many years ago? Yeah. All right. They're, they're the infants. I like it. They I just like take it. a very, very long time to mature. <laughs> well, maybe they get, maybe that's why all the aliens visit, but like they never actually do anything. Maybe they're just picking up their children. Oh. You know, we hear about aliens. You always see those videos of like a spaceship flying overhead and people are like, what is it? Maybe they're just gathering cockroaches. True. Because I feel like cockroaches should be a lot more prevalent than they are in this world. Yeah. They can survive anything, and yet there's only like 12 of them. (laughs) It's weird. But he fights him. Kay blows him up from the inside. They win. They get the galaxy back. Woo, save the day. Yeah. Only he's not fully dead. Yep, he's not. And he's going to eat them. But who saves the day? Dr. Laurel. Fuck off. Interesting job you got there. Yeah. What? Go away. Also, you you talk about how much you hate the living, how she hates dealing with actual people, but then you jump into a job where most of it is just dealing with quote-unquote people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very social job. It's dumb. It's dumb. The ending in this movie is bad. Yeah. It's bad. It's also bad that he actually gets in his spaceship and takes off and is literally flying away, and K and J shoot it down with one shot each. Mm-hmm. One, one shot from each of their guns blows up an entire fucking spaceship. Yeah. What the f- kind of guns are these? Also, he was flying away from them, but somehow after he was shot, he comes back. Well, because he's pissed. And he doesn't land on anything else besides yeah. that area. Plot convenience. Let's talk about a couple more scenes that we kind of glossed over. Mm. I like when they meet Frank, the pug. I do and I don't. You don't because they violate a dog they shake a dog around they yeah yeah i mean they do it i'm pretty sure it's he's not shaking a real dog in that no. moment it's got to definitely be a stuffy of some kind yeah or you know whatever 
I just like Frank. Yeah. Frank the Pug is fun. <laughs> yeah, he's a little rascal. Yeah, he is. I love when they pull up and he's like, I gotta talk to this guy. And Jay's, Jay's like, like, oh, that guy's definitely an alien because the guy next to him, he looks exactly like Riff Raff. I was like, he's the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. It's so funny. But he definitely thinks it's the guy who's got, you know, the, the black dripping from his eyes and he's real pale, long stringy hair. Nope. It's the little cute pug mm-hmm. sitting next to him. Again, one of those things, like you said, of just aliens could be anything. And it's so great to see the diversity yeah. of what's going on here. So after the whole testing to get into the MIB, Jay's not entirely sure what's happening or believes it fully. So Kay's like, hold on, I got to get some coffee. And he goes in a room and we just see the worms. Just hanging out, drinking coffee. They actually pour Kay's coffee for him. Yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. They're funny. Yeah. It just sucks because in the sequel, they put too much of them in the movie. And it's one of those things of you're better in small doses. Like the minions. Yes. Like, yes, absolutely. This could have been a horror movie. Yeah. Easy. With a slight tonal change, get rid of some of the jokes. It's a horror movie. And it still works. I think it'd be a really interesting R-rated horror movie. I'd be interested in that, too. I just appreciate it for what it is, rather than being a horror, though. Because we have tons of alien horror. Sure. Uh, This was based on a comic book. Yeah. Which I don't think a lot of people knew. And the comic's a lot darker. That's the horror version? Yeah, pretty much. In the comics, the MIB is basically manipulating the Earth, using the gadgets that they have Mm -hmm. to recreate it in their own image, while also keeping aliens secret. And they don't have any kind of fun code. If, you, if you're going to find out about them, instead of neuralizing you, they'll just kill you. Wow. They, they're allowed to just eliminate whoever gets in their way. It's a very different tone. Yeah. Um, Tommy Lee Jones is amazing in this movie. Yeah. He is the epitome of cool. Everything he does in this movie, I'm just like, swoon. <laughs> you're so cool. Like, I want to be you. Although you definitely get hints of his two-face in this performance yes i have that in my notes of just like this is what two-face should have been in batman forever it's just saying switch those two roles but he is he's so cool (laughs) yeah and i'm just like this is your movie i know everybody thinks this is a will smith movie no it's a tommy lee jones movie yeah he just makes everything sound cool too yes he does. every line that comes out of his mouth i'm like that's my new favorite line Coming up with my Life of Finds a Way award was really hard because I just wanted to give it to everything Agent K said. Mine ends up going to an Agent K quote. Does it? Mine ends up going to an Agent Jade because it's by far my favorite line in the movie. But yeah, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. All right, here's my nits. The cricket, the noisy cricket, the gun that Jay gets is like the most powerful weapon shown in this movie. Why in the f*** do they give it to a rookie who has no idea how to use it? Why is it so powerful? That is fair. No answers are ever given to Jay for anything. He asks a bunch of questions in this movie and nobody ever answers him. Mm -hmm. They just move on to the next thing. Uh, Laurel doesn't return for the second movie, so she's absolutely pointless in this one. Yeah. The Neuralizer, which is the little gadget they use to erase people's memories and recreate a new story so that they can forget about the aliens. The little toy makes no sense. Makes no sense. So just wearing sunglasses prevents it. So when they have like the large group of people outside the diner after Kay shoots off the noisy cricket, Jay shoots off the noisy cricket, they have to neuralize like entire blocks of people. What if some of them are wearing sunglasses? I think it's specialty what if some sunglasses. Blink? What if some blink at the exact moment? That's fair. It just doesn't make sense. It's weird. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. And uh, Laurel uses the gun at the end. No problem. 
literally yeah. just blows up the bug like it was a normal Tuesday. Yeah. I hate it. I guess my nit would be that they really don't train Jay at all. They're just like, yeah, go do it. Yeah. Well, the entire he's got, movie. He's got a particular set of skills. Yeah, apparently. Well, he says it in the elevator. He's like, remember, you guys came to me. You respect my skill. You... He's been a cop. He he knows what it's like to chase down a perp and stuff like that. Yeah, but there's certain things that you need to just know before going out into the field. Like, he didn't know that that, when he's helping that lady give birth, that they were a squid. Yeah, well, How learn. Was... you gotta learn on the job. Ah. Throw him in the fire and see if he survives. Nah. That's my training. All right, let's go to questions. Yeah. Is Jay a terrible agent? Mm, I mean, he's only been an agent for two days by the end of the movie, he's so... A... Yeah, but if you watch the sequels, he's still a terrible agent. Okay, well, we're talking about this one. And this one, he's been an agent for two days. The sequels His training was terrible, so it's not his fault. It's definitely his fault. Blame the managers. What was the point of getting a replacement? To have a replacement? Someone as good as you? So, (laughs) I get that, but the other guy... Yeah, but the other guy in the beginning of the movie definitely feels like... He's an old man. He want, he needs out of the game. He's not at his peak anymore. He We yeah. watch him tremble. K is still at his peak. I don't think you can just come and go from the MIB as you please. Yeah, no. He was done. I, I, I get I he don't, says he was done, but like you're a little we're too not, young yeah, and a little still too good at your job for the MIB to just let you walk away. Yeah, we're not given enough of why he would want to leave. Like It's some big twist at the end that he's been training his replacement rather than his partner. And they should have set it up a little bit more. Absolutely. All right. Uh, where else does the MIB exist? So this entire movie takes place in New York. That's just their headquarters. I think they're all over the place. Where? You think it, it might exists in like the cities? In yes. like Chicago? Yes. LA? Yes. Uh, I mean, they show... Kansas City, Missouri? They show a map in which they have points all over the globe of so, aliens. So they know maybe their headquarters are here. But they probably have bases other places. So I know in a future sequel, MIB International, we go overseas. Mm-hmm. They're in they're in the, uh, Europe somewhere. Do we think they should have moved? No. Like the second movie, should it have been outside of New York? I think they, we, Should we get an MIB movie of like a Chicago ba- base? Uh, I mean, they should have had a mission outside of New York, but they could still be based there. Okay. But not, not everything needs to happen in New York. Yeah. You, New York. <laughs> it's just weird. All right, go ahead. Uh, does the alien jumping to his death at the beginning set the stakes for the rest of the movie? Yeah. Especially because it's like it gives your villain a credible threat now because well, yeah, someone cause... is willing to just die rather than deal with it. Absolutely. Yeah. Where does bodies go? Where Where did his body go? The morgue. Mm. Because the mortician lady, Laurel, comes to see Jay at the police station saying come check me out i believe you i, but he I didn't, saw like, something splatter on the ground no there was no like green goo or something from his body on the ground i was mean he they, just in solid condition they clean it up i guess <laughs> um does edgar being a jerk at the beginning make it okay that he was the one taken over no because you only see a, a clip of his life he's not he's a jerk in that moment but we don't know if he is a jerk so a reoccurring character in this movie is the guy in the hallway of the MIB reading a The guy sitting paper. in the chair? Yeah. Love what is him. what is his job title? Uh he is the Walmart greeter. <laughs> he is MIB, MIB greeter. greeter. Well, I'm sure he's there to dissuade people. Yes. 
to kind of put up that front of like this is just a a waterway plant you don't need to be here get out why have that uh great attractor destruction ball in a place that you can touch who the f knows they're just like hey touch all these uh random things oh yeah that one can destroy a whole bunch of stuff I do enjoy that scene, not that part, Mm -hmm. but I enjoy right before that where he's asking questions, Jay's asking questions, like, who funds all this? And Kay answers him with, no one. We don't report to anybody about anything. We have money because we own the patents on a bunch of alien technology, like Velcro. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, what a great one line to explain away all the questions you might have about the men in black. Oh, yeah. And how they operate. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And adds a little bit of intrigue of how long have aliens been around? Yes. Because Velcro. I love it. Yeah. Is there a better opposites attract duo? Oh, yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Danny Glover, Mel Gibson. Mm. That is like the pinnacle of buddy cop movies. Why did the stab to the neck of uh, the alien's robot kill the alien prince? I'm assuming poison. Mm. I never thought of that. Why isn't there a training course for the MIB? Why? He why went on the training course. It was to fight the bug. That's the training course. For two days. That's two the training days. course. Uh, he is grossly undertrained <laughs> for this for this movie. So at the end of the movie, they're sitting down after they killed the bug. And he's like, yeah, this is a 9.0 on my shitto, a weird shitto meter. Yeah. What's a 10? Right. I had that question. I was like, okay, 9.0 on my weird shitto meter. There's still something higher than that, but it means you've had a 10. Yeah. If you know this is a nine, you've had a 10, but you've never had to deal with aliens like this before. So what was your 10? Yeah. Like you were just a regular beat cop in New York. Like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. Or he was a detective maybe. I don't know. Whatever don't the hell know. he was. You Come on, man. This is aliens. This is a 10. If this isn't a 10, I can't imagine what's a 10. Like, you just got sprayed by viscera of a, an alien after your partner yeah. shot himself out from inside the alien. How is that not a 10? Yeah, it's stupid. It's a uh, funny line. It would be a better line coming from K. Yes. Who's been through stuff. Like, he I, even says afterwards, he's like, Oh, you should have been here for such and such. I don't Mm. remember exactly what line, but it's like, you should have said that line. (laughs) Yeah. So do you think Kay should have had some funny lines in this movie? Is he too straight the whole time? He had funny lines. Nah, he had funny lines because he's the straight man. But did he need actual like joke lines? No. Okay. Just a question. Uh, What piece of memorabilia you want from this movie? Oh, um, Kay's gun. That he goes into the bug for. Oh, the big gun. The big gun. The big gun at the end. Yeah. Okay. I want that. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What about you? Probably Kay's suit. Okay. I want the suit. You just want a suit. No, no, no. That suit. Yeah. How would you be able to tell it's from that movie? I'm sure it would be authenticated. That it was the one he actually wore. I guess. I don't want Jay's. Well, yeah. Screw you, Will Smith. I don't want your suit. <laughs> Tommy Lee Jones, though. Give me his suit. All right. And his sunglasses. And the I want his entire thing. Like, put the Neuralizer in the pocket. Yeah. Put the sunglasses with it. The whole suit, top to bottom. Give me all of it. I feel like that's the uh, outfit I should wear to a Comic-Con. Yeah. Maybe the next time we go to one, we'll, we'll be MIB agents. Yeah. 2023. Mm. Does this movie release theatrically? Go straight to streaming? Or would you rather see it as a miniseries? 
I would personally rather see it as a miniseries, but I think it still would get theatrical. Yeah. But I would I want the miniseries. I want to have more time with these characters and like learning how to deal with this world-ending threat. Did you ever watch the animated series? I did not. Did, did you not... know there was an animated series? No. In the late 90s. It was okay. Hmm. Worth it? No. Or maybe. I haven't watched it in, since it came out, so it might be worth revisiting. Okay. I think it had like two seasons only, and then yeah. it got canceled. I would love a miniseries of this. I feel like there's so many more adventures that pack in a short little alien adventure into like 35 minutes rather than two hours and give me more of them. Mm. Yeah. Two hours is stretching it a little thin where I'm just like, all right, we're hitting the same beats over and over and over again. Let's go. Move on. We're done. Yeah. So what comes next? What does the next day look like for these guys? A lot of paperwork. (laughs) That was my answer too. I was like, we got to see all the fun in the movie. And now for the next week and a half, they are doing nothing but paperwork about everything that happened. Yeah. Now. Kay gets out of it. Kay gets out of it. Is he a dick for that? A little bit. He's like, hey, Jay, you've only been on the job for two days. I put you through hell. I'm going to neuralize myself so I can go, you know, back to my hot wife. And uh, good luck with all the paperwork. Yeah. What a dick. Dude, he is a, a massive dick in this movie. I still can't get over the fact that he had two days of training and that was it. Oh, well, yeah, that wasn't two Kay's days, fault. Two days and uh, yeah, you're ready to replace me. That wasn't Kay's fault. All right, let's go through our awards. Okay. First up is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie. Kind of already talked about it. Both of us agree it's the Men in Black testing sequence. Yeah. It's awesome. It is so wonderful. It It's that whole aspect of uh, thinking outside the box is what really got you there. But isn't that one of the reasons why my, my nitpick of Will Smith in this movie makes sense? Yeah. He's so damn smart throughout the beginning of the movie and then becomes a freaking idiot. Yeah. Oh, God, I hate it. All right. Well, let's move on to the next award then. Mm-hmm. This is the Life uh, Finds a Way Award. Life uh, finds a way. For your favorite line in the movie, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Well, why, why the big secret? People are smart. They can handle it. The person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 1,500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the earth was flat and 15 minutes ago you knew that people were alone on this planet imagine what you'll know tomorrow you had me at that i will follow you to the end of the earth sir it is so good and it is true people are smart or a person is smart people are dumb oh yeah it's that mass panic thing it's that Mm -hmm. mob mentality of believing everything that's around you because other people already believe it yeah and I think he delivers it so well. So Tommy Lee Jones well. in this moment just crushes that. Yeah. This is the first indicator that, okay, he might be tired of what he's doing. A little because bit. Because of how he says it. He's like, oh. A little bit. He might be my favorite character that you can tell is just kind of over everything. Yeah. All right. That's good. I like that. My Life Finds a Way Award goes to something Agent J says, and it's a long one, but that's okay. Well, first I was going to pop this guy hanging from the street light, and then I realized, you know, he's just working out. And how would I feel somebody come running in the gym, bust me in my ass while I'm on a treadmill? Then I saw this uh, snarling beast guy, and I noticed he had a tissue in his hand. I realized, you know, he's not snarling. He's sneezing. You know, ain't no real threat there. Then I saw a little Tiffany. I'm thinking, you know, eight-year-old white girl, middle of the ghetto, bunch of monsters, this time of night with quantum physics books. She about to start some shit, Zed. She's about eight years old. Those books are way too advanced for her. 
If you ask me, I'd say she's up to something. And to be honest, I'd appreciate it if you eased up off my back about it. Or do I owe her an apology? It's so long. I love it, though. It is perfect. It, it caps off our favorite scene perfectly. Yep. Because, yes, that is what you need to be thinking about in this moment. These aliens aren't necessarily bad guys. Sometimes it's the innocent one that looks bad. Yeah. That is bad. <laughs> yeah. It's the perfect encapsulation of why he's the one who gets recruited and mm -hmm. brought into the MIB. It's just a shame they didn't keep it going. Yeah. It really is. And that it hurts my enjoyment of the movie with how much of a cartoon character he becomes mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the movie. And I get it's a comedy. It just goes way too far for me. But this is the epitome of what I want this character to be. And it's Will Smith delivers it perfectly where he has this edge to him of like, yo, I'm from the ghetto. I will f you up. But also like with all due respect. Yeah. So great, great moment. Next up is the Prestige Award. Every magic trick has a third act. The part we call the Prestige. For your biggest WTF moment, mine, the flying car in the tunnel. It's a <laughs> scene we didn't talk about, but it's my biggest WTF moment for two very specific reasons. Mm -hmm. One, Tommy Lee Jones, Agent K, singing to Elvis. <laughs> Not something I ever knew I wanted, but now it's something I can't get enough of. Yeah. The way he bops his head and just is in complete control the entire time this is happening. While upside down. While upside down is just fantastic. That's the good part of the WTF of this moment. Mm -hmm. The bad part, Agent J flipping around in his seat, not figuring out how to be a, an adult. Use your head, think for a second, and learn how to get back in your damn seat. Yeah. It is... Everything that's wrong with this movie is shown in this one scene <laughs> where you have two completely different movies happening at the same exact time. Yeah. Ugh, I just want to throw up thinking about this scene, thinking about Agent J's half of this scene. Yeah. It was yeah. funny as a kid, and now I'm just like, what are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I get it. As a kid, I'm like, ha, 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 ha. As an adult, I'm like, think. Mm -hmm. Take two seconds, breathe, think it through. And there's an easy way to get yourself oriented back in your seat. Yeah. Not funny. Yeah. Mine is that Destructo Ball thing. I don't remember the name of it, honestly, because I kind of roll my eyes every single time that this part comes on in the movie. Because number one, why is it something that people can touch? <laughs> number two, it just goes on forever. And it keeps going on. And it, uh, I feel like secondhand embarrassment and his commentary during it, too, is just so Ooh, bad. Oh, uh, my bad. Yeah. Shut up. Yeah. Somebody should knock you out. <laughs> it caused the 77 Black New York blackout. Yeah. The great attractor thought it was hilarious. Yeah. That's great. the only part of that scene that works. Well, because it's Agent K. Yeah. Everything he does works in this movie. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm with you. It's mm -hmm. probably my second biggest WTF moment of this movie where I'm just like, is it necessary? No. Do we need this scene at all? What, no. What does it add? Yeah. It, it's comedy. Bad. It adds comedy, apparently. Next is the Han Shot First Award. Now, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. For what held up the worst since this movie came out, it's going to be no surprise, my answer here. It's no surprise at all. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here as well. It's Agent J. Yeah. It's, it's Will Smith being Agent J. But I'm not 100% blaming Will Smith for this. 
Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is his fault, but it's the character I have the biggest problem with. And it extends into the sequels. His character going through the sequels is gets worse, especially in the second one. Yeah. And it ruins my enjoyment of his character in this one even more than I already don't like it. Hmm. I think he's the best in the third one, which is why I sort of am on board with Ebert saying the third one's better than the first because his character's finally fully developed in that movie. His character's bad in this and he gets worse in two and it ruins things for me. Okay. Done. You honestly convinced me that his character is the worst thing about this movie. Oh, what did you originally have? Anything? Nothing. I couldn't figure out what exactly was the worst thing. I was like, there's some things that annoy me, but nothing's like super egregious. Yeah. But talking it over with you, yeah, his character just kind of falls off and it never comes back. Facts. It goes a little too far. Yeah. Too much. Cool. Well, that's interesting. Let us know over on our socials, which you can find by clicking the link in the description of this podcast of this episode. Did I convince you that Agent J was the worst part of this movie? Let us know. I'd be interested to know. And our final award is the Paul Rudd Award. I'm Paul Rudd and I adapt. For what held up the best since this movie came out. Do you want to go first? Yeah. Go hard. It's the concept. The idea that aliens exist on this planet. There's an agency that kind of helps them be here peacefully with humans and that they're just amongst us and they're not all bad. I love this concept. I want to actually see more movies like this. Oh no, I don't. We saw Men in Black International. Well, I don't need a Men in Black International. I said, I didn't say this exact franchise. I want this kind of concept in other movies. That's fair. All right. See, I just feel like if they made another movie and they tried to do this kind of concept, it would just be a poor imitation of Men in Black. Could be. Or it would just be a poor Men in Black movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So my Paul Rudd Award is going to go to technically two things, but they kind of work hand in hand. Okay. So mine goes to Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays Edgar the Bug. Plays Edgar and the Bug. Yeah. But that also coincides with just the aliens in this movie. Mm. All the different types of aliens, the way they look, a lot of them are CGI and they, they look good. Don't get me, the bug is the worst part of the CGI in this movie. Yeah. The end battle with the bug is the one part of the CGI where I'm like, this is bad. The worms look good when they're walking around. Yeah. Frank talking looks good. The, a lot of the bugs that we see or the, a lot of the creatures we see in MIB headquarters are good. But a lot of that is also practical. They're, mm-hmm. they're actual men in suits and stuff or, you know, animatronics. And I think that's what really works. But then bringing that to Vincent D'Onofrio, who's a human who you have to make look alien without losing the human features. Mm -hmm. And then his whole physical performance. That's why I'm like, it all kind of goes hand in hand. It's like the whole idea of the aliens, how they all came together Mm -hmm. is just great. And the execution. And then it's topped off with D'Onofrio's performance. Yeah. Because he's the best. I know we didn't go over the cast. I brought it up earlier. Um... But we kind of talked about the big ones. Two more people that I, a couple more people I wanted to shout out. Rip Torn as Zed. Yeah. Great. He command, he has like this commanding presence to him where you're like, oh yeah, he's definitely the leader. Yeah. I think we get more of him in the sequel. We do. And I kind of wish we got more of him in this one too. Uh, same. Then we have David Cross as the morgue worker who gets uh, gooed to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. I only want to bring him up because he's in a lot of stuff and you know him most as Minion from Megamind. Oh. The voice. He's just great. 
Keith Campbell plays the perp who jumps off the building at the beginning of the movie. Really only one reason I wanted to bring him up, because he's a stunt worker who's done a lot of these small things, but he was the car thief in The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> and anytime I can bring up Spider-Man, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah. And then the last one I thought was really cool. And just, this is why sometimes the the world of film works. Because Carl Strukian, or Strykin, is, he plays the very tall alien mm-hmm. that we see die in the diner. It's hard when you're that size to get roles in movies, if this is what you're trying to do with your life. Well, who are you going to play? Yeah. But it's nice because he played Lurch in the Adams Family movies, which were directed <laughs> by Barry Sonnenfeld. So it's nice to see him be able to bring him back and give him another role. Mm-hmm. Because when you look like that, when you're that big, you can't be Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible. Yeah. You can only play these out of the norm roles. So it's always good to see them kind of get work. Sure. So those were the ones I wanted to bring up that we didn't already talk about. Oh, and then Laurel was played by Linda Fiorentino. Mm-hmm. Meh. Don't, don't know her from anything. Doesn't matter. She wasn't good in this movie either. All right. Any other final things? No, I'm ready to go with final thoughts. Do it. For me, this movie holds up. It... Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. I'm sorry. Really? Yeah. It doesn't hold up. I think it does. I think, yeah, there's some things wrong with it, but it's still a fun, joyful ride. It, there's still a lot to be learned from this movie. And it was executed pretty darn well. There is so much good to this movie. So much good. But because the central focus is a character that is absolutely acted poorly and written poorly, it does not hold up. Everything around Agent J is good, but because of how bad he is, it drags the entire movie down for me that I cannot get as much enjoyment out of the movie as I used to. Ah, see, I can explain away enough of his behavior that it still works for me. I mean, I can explain it away, too. He's a terrible actor. (laughs) Explained away. It does not make the movie better. All right, so you get one does hold up and one doesn't hold up. Interesting. Yeah. Again, let us know over on the socials what you think of Men in Black. Does it hold up for you? Is it an annual watch? Have you watched it since it came out? We'd love to hear from you guys. And we'll be back next week with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So make sure to come back next week and check that out. So subscribe wherever you're listening to this. Make sure you follow us so that you always know when we put out a new episode. And until next time, remember that you're a legend. So be good to yourself. But more importantly, be kind to others. And as always, keep watching movies. Bye.